I want to ask you a personal question. Do you read my newsletter, Leadership Forward 321? Because if you don't, I really think you'd like it if you like this podcast. Every Wednesday morning, I send a short newsletter designed to help you lead your organization more strategically and with less overwhelm in five minutes or less. The newsletters are organized around a timely leadership theme and give you something practical that you can apply right away in your organization. I include three of the best articles that I've come across on that theme, two concrete resources or tools that I believe in, and one quote to inspire and motivate you. So if you don't yet get the newsletter, I'm going to make it super easy for you to sign up. Just text the word IMPACT to 66866 and you'll be added to my list. Thanks. Hi. Welcome to the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast, where every week I do a deep dive into the strategies and mindset behind launching, scaling, and leading a high-impact nonprofit. I'm your host, Brooke Ritchie Babbage. Working to make the world a more just and beautiful place is messy, complex, heart-wrenching, and ultimately deeply joyful and fulfilling work. And none of us can do it alone. That's why I started this podcast, this mastermind community, to hold space for and share the learnings and the questions and the grapplings and the actual concrete strategies that allow us to move our social impact work forward together. So welcome to the mastermind. I'm so glad you're here. How should my board be working together? What should my board be doing? How do I know if I have a good board? I'm on a board and I really want to be a good board member. What do I do? So I get these questions all the time. And the answer is actually really nuanced. There's no right answer to any of these questions. How should my board be working together has lots of answers. What should my board members be doing? Lots of answers. How do I know if they're a good board? Again, lots of answers. The structure and function of every board should reflect the purpose and needs of that organization. The culture of each board should reflect the culture and constellation of that group. So there are so many nuances. There's no end to how boards should and can work together to be effective. Now, that being said, there are some common attributes of highly effective boards, right? High functioning boards. So I'm gonna start with the elephant in the room. Here's what I'm not going to talk about today. When we think about boards and engagement, our minds almost always go to fundraising. Very important, but not the magic. A truly effective and high impact board has its own special magic. Now, I'm not saying that resource generation is not part of what is expected of a board member. Lots of negatives there. I'm going to try that again. Fundraising and resource generation are absolutely part of what is expected of a board member on a high functioning, effective, high impact board. I believe that. And there's so many conversations to have about what kind of fundraising and what the role of fundraising is. I will not wade into that very murky water What I right now in this podcast episode. What I will say is that when I say fundraising and resource generation, I do not just mean asking for money. Right? I think fundraising is 
far more expansive than that. And I think there's a way into bringing in resources for an organization for every single board member in that it can look like lots of different things. And I think a large part of our conversations about boards and fundraising are problematic because they are not as expansive and generative in how they articulate and define and think about fundraising. Okay, that's my rant. (laughs) I'm not actually going to talk about that in this podcast. I think that when we talk about what really lies at the heart of a high functioning board, the practice and activity of fundraising is actually an outgrowth of something much deeper. By stepping up as board members, there is this group of people who have said, I care about this mission. I am passionate about this mission, this issue, this work, and I am bringing, I am volunteering to bring my talents, my skills, my interests, my energies, my connections, to bring all of these to bear for this mission because I care deeply about it. Externally, truly connected and engaged board members are the organization's fiercest cheerleaders and most vocal ambassadors. Internally, they are the executive director and the staff's most powerful co-strategists and thought partners. They are under the tent, fueling the mission as part of the team, and they play a different role than the staff and the executive director. But next to the executive director, the board should be the group of people who sees the organization's North Star most clearly and who who is most committed to getting there, who is running as fast as possible, right with the ED and right with the team towards that North Star. That's the special magic of a really effective high impact board. Now, what lies at the core of this is a strong board culture rooted in a special kind of way of working together, a special kind of trust called trust for action. Now, those of you who have worked with me who have seen many of my free trainings, I've talked about this idea of trust for action. It's something that means a lot to me that I have come to understand through other work that I've done in other spaces. I learned about this idea of trust for action when I was helping to design a really amazing action network here in New York City called the Sterling Network. Now that's also a whole other experience that I'm not going to get into today, but suffice it to say an action network is a fascinating vehicle for bringing about systematic or systemic change. And I'll talk about that actually on this podcast in a later episode, but that was my, that network work working with a very large diverse group of people across difference trying to work collectively despite our different perspectives on things was my introduction to this idea of trust for action and i came to understand that it's actually at the foundation of any high functioning group or team that has to carry out some purpose together without this particular type of trust your board's not going to grow You're going to struggle to coalesce and govern together as a group without the executive director pulling and prodding and leading the way. So I want to talk in this episode about this magical type of trust and how you can explore its roots and really sort of plant a seed for trust for action on your own board. 
Now, as I was coming to understand trust for action very early on, I came to understand that it is distinct from trust for liking. The concept was introduced to me actually directly, not opposed, it can be related to, but I learned about it basically as a contrast to trust for liking. Now, when most of us think about trust, we think about trust for liking. Trust for liking is about how much do I like this person, right? We can sometimes use those words interchangeably. I trust this person with my life or I trust the people I work with often really means I like them, we get along, I find them to be kind and gracious, I feel safe with them, I like these people. That's actually the wrong question to ask of a group of people with whom you need to take collective action. Trust for liking is really nice to have, but what researchers have found is that it's not actually the thing to be focused on. It's not actually the thing that makes that team that has to carry out a shared purpose most effective. Instead, you wanna ask these two questions. How are our values aligned, right? How values aligned are we? And how much can I count on this person to adhere to those shared values? Now, let me break this down a little bit more. Trust for action is essentially a form of connection that's focused on a group's ability to work together towards a common goal. That's the upshot. That's the thing that the group is coming together to do. We have something we need to achieve together. Now, the more of this type of trust each member has for one another, the more committed to the end goal they are, and thus, the more engaged in achieving that end goal they will be. Trust for action requires both a belief in and a commitment to a shared set of core values. It's this common set of beliefs that allows people with different life experiences, different perspectives, different approaches to work, to come together and work together effectively despite their difference. Because ultimately, at the root, they are sharing this common set of values. The key is that they believe in the same end goal and that they believe that the other people on the team are as dedicated to that end goal as they are. Hence the two questions, how values aligned are we and how much can I count on you to adhere to those values? Ultimately, when this type of trust exists, board members feel invested in taking and are able to take action together. They are able to govern together, to fundraise together, to wade into the messiness of board governance, to ask tough questions. They're able to do that more effectively as a coherent team. Now, as you think about assessing and building trust for action on your board, I want to give you four questions to ask to identify where the bonds are strong. I've also created a checklist capturing these questions for you and your board to use, and you can get that checklist at richiebabbage.com backslash board trust, richiebabbage.com backslash board trust. And this checklist walks through the four questions that I'm about to go through so you can have these conversations with your board in board meetings at a board retreat one-on-one. -on -one. I, I actually recommend doing it as a group, but some of these may actually be great one-on-one -on -one conversations to have, particularly with new board members as you're starting to get to know them. So the first question is, are we all committed to the same end goal? 
are we here for a reason that I care deeply about? And is it the same reason? Now, this is where clarity about the organization's mission is really important. When the North Star is fuzzy and the strategic clarity, the priorities and the goals are unclear, you're going to see engagement start to wane. And some of this can obviously be lack of understanding about the mission, not, not real sort of affinity for the mission, but sometimes engagement on the board level wanes because there isn't actually a trust that everybody around that boardroom table is committed to the same mission. Think about this question as you are onboarding new board members. As you have board members that have perhaps been on the board for a number of terms and have seen or gone through periods of growth with the organization. Revisiting this question, are we all committed to the same end goal? Are we understanding what the end goal is, the mission? And do we all feel a sense of affinity and alignment with that end goal? The second question is, how much can I count on the other people on this board to stay committed to that end goal? Can these people be counted on to follow through on their commitments? Now, just like where clarity about the mission was critical for the first question, this is where clarity about board expectations gets really important. People need to know what they're being asked to do when they sign up, and those expectations need to remain fairly consistent. It's also really important that when they look around and see the other people on the board, they see people following through on their commitments. The absence of this can break this type of trust. Conversely, this dimension of trust fraction can be demonstrated by things like showing up to meetings and seeing concrete ways in which each member is contributing. The third question is, do we have a shared set of values that I can turn to? For example, if I really believe that we have a shared value around making sure that the organization is financially healthy, for example, then I will trust that the actions you take are in service of that shared value, whether I agree with or really understand the actions or not. Right? The root there is I believe that we share this value. We've talked about our definition organizationally as a board of financial health. We agree on this definition of fin financial health. We agree how important financial health is. We have this shared value. So when I look, for example, at decisions or votes you might take at the board level around the budget, around things having to do with fundraising, around things having to do with salary and compensation, we may not agree but I know we share the same value of financial health. And so I trust that in your movie, in your narrative, you are acting in the best interest of that shared value. And that actually makes wading into the messy and sometimes uncomfortable zone of tough conversations and decision-making a bit easier. It can reduce barriers and friction around engagement. So this is also where organizational and board culture are really vital to communicate and stick to. Really, more often than should be the case, boards bring people on for reasons that aren't about being a right fit for the organization, right? They have a big name or a big network. None of those necessarily support trust for action, and they can actually undermine it. 
If the person's values don't align with the way that the board works or the way the organization executive director leads, for example, their style, their priorities, then you're very often going to struggle to keep that board member engaged, even if they have all the talking points and they come to all the meetings. They're simply not going to feel that they belong, right? This set of underlying shared values is missing. The fourth question is, am I able to bring value to this endeavor? This is about each board member having a belief in their own value on the team. And it is a really critical part of trust for action. And this is where working individually with board members to make sure that they have a meaningful way to be involved. And by meaningful, I mean, it actually helps move the organization's work forward. It is not make work. To make sure that their skills and their interests are actually in alignment with the needs and strategic priorities of the organization, and to make sure that their contributions are recognized and celebrated. Those are all really great ways to lift up and engage with this particular element of trust for action. So these are the attributes of trust for action to think about and assess with your board. There are four basic questions and building a practice or habit of talking about these questions as a board, bringing them up to the surface in a really deliberate, named intentional way can be actually a first step in building trust for action. Naming it and saying, hey, this is a priority for us. Building a type of trust that will allow us to govern together, stay engaged in an organic self perpetuated way. So I definitely recommend checking out this checklist. It captures all these questions. You can read through it. You can share it with your board. You can get it at richiebabbage.com backslash board trust. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. If you liked this podcast, I would also love for you to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you think that what we talk about here could benefit another leader in your life, please share with your friends. Finally, if you'd like more leadership in your life, you can sign up for my weekly five-minute read, Leadership Forward 321 newsletter. I send articles, resources, and inspiration every week curated around a leadership theme to help you lead your nonprofit better. You can sign up at richiebabbage.com backslash leadership forward 321. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you back here next week for more Mastermind. <laughs>